I'm Bruce Worson, pastor of His Place Community Church. The following message came from a Sunday morning right here at His Place. What percent of your day brings God joy? Out loud. No, I'm just kidding. What percent of your day brings God joy? That's a, that's a big question. Uh, do, do you get that you do that? Right? Do you, get, do, you get, do you get how to do that? Do you think that you do do that? Because, you know, lately we've been talking an awful lot uh, about allowing that tugboat of God's spirit to turn that tanker of our thinking uh, in order to follow what might be Paul's ultimate advice for not just pleasing our Father, but living fulfilling, joyful, completely satisfying lives down here. And, and, and Paul urges us, he says, do not conform or imitate, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed, which we heard before, be metamorphosed, be changed the way that a caterpillar becomes a butterfly, completely transformed by the renewing of your mind. Okay, which I guess makes our head the cocoon, right? I think that's how that works. That's our, our head is the cocoon in, this, in the way this works. So, so let's get this butterfly on the road, all right? And actually be transformed this morning. Be transformed by one bump this morning. Let's actually do it. And let's allow the Lord to renew our mind by taking this key truth to heart. Are you ready for it? The Lord takes pleasure in his people. Pleasure in his people. Get that through your thick cocoon. It's vitally important. And this means you. You, you're his people. And we can make the mistake when we see this of reading this and thinking, well, yeah, I mean, when we're in church and singing and praying and being quiet, or we can make the mistake of subconsciously retranslating this scripture, thinking that it says the Lord takes pleasure in his other people and puts up with me. I mean, that's, that's not really about me. No, it's you. It's you. He takes pleasure in you. Because a huge part of our creative purpose, yours and mine, a big, huge part of our creative purpose is the joy and gladness and satisfaction that we bring to our creator. That's amazing. Let that sink in. That's part of our purpose. A main part of our purpose is what we bring to him. In the book of Revelation, the apostle John says to the Lord, you created everything and it is for your pleasure that they exist and that they were created. That's it. But then again, duh, right? Isn't that why any of us create anything, including people, is because we like them? I know personally that's why Raina and I have kids. We love loving them. I mean, I guarantee it's not a financial reason that we have them. There's no incentives otherwise. <laughs> we love loving them. And plus, they're fun to watch. They're really fun to watch because they, you know, they fall down a lot. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, when they're learning and playing and growing, but there is a lot of falling, and it is funny. <laughs> I even enjoy watching them fall asleep. It's actually when they're probably best is when they're sleeping. But, but maybe the most fun is watching them enjoy the things that we get to give them. And it's probably why Christmas at our house begins in October. Because we just love that time of year. And it's, it's how I also think that I kind of know how God feels about, about us. 
because kids are a riot, right? They're just, they're, they're fun. And, and you know what? We've even had plenty of opportunities in our life to just leave our kids behind, like in the busy crowds of Disneyland, when they're like whining, or a distant camping trip when they're whining, or even at a gas station when they're whining. And we never once even considered it parent of the year. But I mean, and by considered, I mean like discuss the details of it with my wife. But because we really, really do love having them around. We really, really do. And likewise, believe it or not, likewise, God didn't have to create you. He wanted to create you. What greater significance could you be given? He's the master of the universe, and you are a child of his. And you can bring him pleasure. You can bring him pleasure like nothing and no one else ever created. You personally, that's you. And he really, really wants you to live with him. Mind-boggling. Realize that's our relationship. Truly get this through your cocoon. He created you for your company to be with you. Which is, that's just, I don't know, that's, that's, a, that's a really profound truth, which means we not only have to practice an awareness of his company, like Bruce was talking about, but we actually have to believe that he likes hanging around the likes of us. It doesn't work if we don't understand that truth. We need to know his heart. He likes hanging around us because only a small portion of his pleasure comes from watching us and all of our falling down. <laughs> but I imagine he gets a kick out of it. We, we make it look funny. Uh, a much greater joy, though, comes from connecting and communicating and interacting with you. And bringing joy to God, bringing this joy to God is called worship. That's what we're doing. This is why worship, bringing God pleasure, encompasses so much more than just sitting in church and singing and praying and being quiet. It's this relationship, it's this, this love, this both ways, this two-way street. So, uh, so as Paul says, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Which is great because I saw eat and drink and based on my routine, there's a whole lot of opportunities to worship <laughs> right there. But whatever you're doing, do it all to the glory of God. Do it all to the glory of God. By realizing that you're doing it with him and for him. Because every moment of your life is a setup. It is a setup prompting you to choose to do something for some reason, but also every activity except sin can be worship. It's that simple. Every single thing that you do, every single moment, you have the opportunity, this prompt, what am I gonna choose? It can be worship. Work and rest and play, all of them become worship when we just have that awareness of his presence and an attitude of appreciation and a desire to bring him joy. You know, you gotta know that you can and then you gotta wanna do it. That's all, it's, it's, so, it's so simple. You know, how to make the, uh, you know how to make the Lord smile? It's really easy, surrender, that's it. I'm not just talking about the moment when you surrender when we make Jesus the Lord of our lives. That is wonderful and I know oh, he loves that. But the daily moment by moment, bump by bump surrender that follows that, that grows every single day. It's submitting to those bumps when you're at work or at the grocery store or on Facebook or Snapchat or whatever the kids, I'm an old man now, 
whatever the kids are using these days, there's bumps everywhere where you can feel that bump and it's submitting to those and especially submitting to those bumps when you're in his word. Big stuff, big stuff happens there when you submit to the bumps in his word, when you meet him where he's at and you say, you tell me where we're going, boy, oh boy, crazy stuff happens. And it's a process that we, that we go through. It's a process we call sanctification. And God only works it when we let him, which only happens when we worship him, which only happens when we want him. That's how it works, which is why the heart of worship is surrender. Right now, that, that's, that's a, again, a really profound truth. These are simple, simple things, but we got to like keep them right there in front of our eyes. The, uh, the heart of worship is surrender. That's it. That's the ingredient. Not the type of surrender, of course, that means like defeat or loss to an enemy, but an act of submission that implies trust and obedience in a superior power. It's, it's kind of like trusting that your coach knows better than you which part that you should play on the team to get the win. Right? He just, he knows better. I trust that. I know that. I submit to that will because I know where he wants me is best. And Jesus said, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must put aside your selfish ambition, shoulder your cross daily, and follow me. Daily, bump by bump. He doesn't say to put aside uh, our hopes and dreams. No. He wants us to surrender those selfish ambitions. All right? The ones that dishonor him, as well as us. And here's where it gets tricky, because this type of surrender is hard, hard work. This is, this is the hardest work, probably, for us, because it requires intense warfare against my own self-centered nature. And that fight takes a toll. That's a tough one. I am a terrible enemy. Me versus me. I'm going to lose. You versus you is how it works. Do you ever feel alone in your desire to please God? This is what's happening. Like when people at work or school or even friends and family don't really get why you're doing what you're doing. Fighting with yourself because it can, it's tough. It can really, really hurt. And it's, and it's hard to bear. Well, if you've ever felt alone, I hate to break it to you, but you got nothing on Noah. Uh, the other one, not this one. <laughs> not me. I'll tell you, the other Noah, this guy, that guy up there, this Noah, uh, he, he's preaching the rest of the message from here on out because in his time, he was literally the last man on the planet, right? The last man on the planet who surrendered himself to God. The only one. He was the last one there. It says, the Lord, the Lord saw how great man's wickedness on earth had become and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil when all the time but noah found favor in the eyes of the lord not really a high bar but still that's something everything being evil he was one better good job that's all it takes sometimes he found favor in the eyes of the lord and it turns out it's it's really simple it's the really simple unselfish things that make god smile for instance noah loved god I mean, he really, really loved him. Says uh, Noah was a righteous man, the only blameless person living on earth at the time. And he walked in close fellowship with God. He walked in close fellowship with God. That's, a, that's the relationship. That's what we're aiming for. That Noah 
knew the difference between religion and relationship. This Noah, not so much. This Noah was raised in a more uh, formal kind of traditional church. And as a kid, I, I struggled uh, to separate religion from relationship. It's hard. Uh, and it isn't that God enjoyed the liturgy and the candle lighting and the hymns and the robes and the reciting and all the ceremony. But he wanted a relationship with the people who were doing that stuff. It took a long time for that to really solidify, sink in. So let that sink in. That's, that's the whole reason. He doesn't like that stuff. He likes you. He likes the people doing it. And I now realize that God only enjoys the ceremony to the degree that it helps us connect with him. That's why it's there. If it doesn't, he don't want it. If it doesn't help us get there, he doesn't want it. It's not for him, guys. It's for us. But he loves it to the degree it helps us express our love. Because he loves loving us like a good parent. But he really loves us loving him a lot. And I love telling you how much he loves loving you loving him. Follow that? It's that easy, see? <laughs> But at, the, uh, but at the end of the day, we have to go above and beyond the, the checklist love, right? That, uh, hey, I, I prayed, I read, I went, I gave, you know, I love him. We've got to go above that and we've got to give, give, give God what every good parent really desires from their children, which is heartfelt, reciprocated love. The real stuff. That's what he wants. Turns out it's, it's simple, unselfish things that make God smile. Noah loved God. And two, Noah trusted God. We are told in Hebrews that by faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with the faith. I like how the message paraphrases the scripture, kind of gets right to the point. By faith, Noah built a ship in the middle of dry land. <laughs> he was warned about something he couldn't see, and he acted on what he was told. Nice. That simple. That's it. God has asked, God has asked us also to build a reputation of faith in the middle of whatever dry and faithless environment we find ourselves in. And we do it the same way, by trusting him. Again, one ingredient, trust him. But you know, you know, uh, you know when, you know when trust, you know when trust is put to the greatest test? Oh, I don't like this. I hate, this is one that's really for me, you know, because I'm really good at this. Trust is put to the greatest test when I can get my way by compromising my conscience. Ooh, I am an expert at this. I am so good at this because I know exactly where I am most vulnerable and just how far I need to tip the scales to justify my way. Curse you, Noah. <laughs> but here's, here's the thing, you do too. You know that too. You know, there is, there's nobody better at deceiving you than you. Sorry, you know it's true. But this, right here, in that moment, is where the rubber meets the road, revealing whether I will put my trust in the will of God or in the will of Noah. And by that I mean this Noah. <laughs> I may not like what's going on, and I may not understand what's going on, but I must choose to stand firm and believe that he is in control of what is going on. That Noah trusted 
I don't want to trust in God when, when it didn't make sense. That's when trust really counts. That's when it really means something. That's when it's hardest. But that Noah trusted God when it didn't make sense. And once again, what a simple, unselfish thing that God loves. Noah loved God. Noah trusted God. But Noah also nails it when again, number three, Noah obeyed God. Right? He acted, took the action of what he trusted to be true. Big, huge step right there. Obeying, taking that action of what you trust. Rubber, meat, road. This is where it happens. And not only that, but <clears throat> Noah did everything exactly as God had commanded him. Is that all? <laughs> he just did everything exactly as God. Ah, ooh, that's a tough, but maybe not. But because, I mean, if you are going to obey, I mean, isn't that the best way? Doing everything exactly right? But these were some very, very specific instructions that he was given. It goes, uh, make a boat from resinous wood and seal it with tar inside and out, and then construct decks and stalls throughout the interior. Make it 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and, you know, 45 feet tall. Uh, construct an opening all the way around the boat, 18 inches below the roof, then put three decks inside the boat, bottom, middle, and upper, and then put a, uh, put a door in the side, you know. And after Noah recovered from some marathon note-taking, saying, is that all? <laughs> there it was. God gave him a blueprint. Nice. And you know what? Likewise, he's given us some very specific instructions in his word, too, to us. And a blueprint to follow in his son. That's what Jesus is. It's like, it's like he wrote down all the directions and then said, okay, now I want to show you exactly what all of this information looks like if it was actually lived out in a human body. Jesus. Great blueprint. But obedience isn't, obedience isn't about gritting our teeth and following the rules. It's about gladly, willingly following the ruler. You get that from looking at that blueprint. If you haven't picked up on that yet from studying who Jesus was and what he did that was so unique, ooh, there you go. Gladly, willingly following the ruler. Turns out it's still just the simple, unselfish things that God loved about Noah, loves about you, real love, trust, and obedience. And Noah knocks it out of the park when, number four, God, Noah praised God. And when it came to appreciating God, Noah did it like old school. <laughs> then, then Noah built an altar to the Lord and sacrificed on it the animals and birds that had been approved for that purpose. This is probably, you know, where we lost the unicorns and pterodactyls. But, uh, <laughs> but the Lord was pleased. Appreciated him. The Lord was pleased. There are two ways to please the Lord with our appreciation. You can adore him for who he is. And we can thank him for what he's done. The good news is, who he is, is all the stuff that he does. It's just always at work. Because God smiles when we express our adoration and our gratitude. That's what he wants. And as we learn to surrender day by day, bump by bump, our focus will change. It'll change from, from how much pleasure I am getting out of this life to how much pleasure God is getting out of my life. A huge part of our created purpose is the joy and gladness and satisfaction that we get to bring to our creator. Wow. Which is why the Apostle Paul said, 
So we make it our goal to please him. You betcha. Once you understand that you have that power, that ability, and that that's all he wants, that's my goal, please him. So if we're going to live out that goal for ourselves, we must understand that the heart of worship is surrender. Got to get that into your cocoon. So which selfish ambition are you still holding on to? I'll wait. You can make a list. And we got to remember that we have, we, we have that capacity to make God smile. You got to know that. You got to remember that. So what currently needs the most renewing in your cocoon? Love? Trust? Obedience? Appreciation? We got a long ways to go in each of those. Which one needs the attention? But mostly, we must understand that we were planned for God's pleasure. This is how it works. That's the order. So I'm going to ask you again, what percent of your day would you like to bring God joy? Let's pray. Father God, oh, we, we want to bring you much joy. We want to bring you all the joy we have with our, with our lives. And we thank you for taking parental pleasure in us uh, as your children, just for who we are, and often in spite of how we act. Holy Spirit, help us, to, help us to lay down our selfish ambitions and daily, moment by moment, surrender and submit to your will. Lord Jesus, we worship you for who you are, and we thank you for what you have done. We are truly a blessed people, and we love you. And to that, everybody said, amen. amen. Well, thanks for listening in. Why don't you join us on a Sunday morning? If you'd like more information about the church, just point your browser to hisplacechurch.com. Until next time, may the Lord bless you, keep you, and make his face shine upon you.